This is a Podfire production. Hi, I'm Ryan and welcome to the New Nirvana podcast, where we dive into everything to do with mental health and well-being. Anything that can improve your life, we're here to talk about. Awesome. Well, I'd like to introduce Nathaniel Hodges to the episode of um, New Nirvana. So, um, I've known Nat for, what, five years now? Yeah, about that. So, um, I'm just going to go off the cuff here with uh, what I know about Nat. So, Nat grew up in northern New South Wales. Yep. Um, if I'm wrong about anything, I'll clear it I'm up. Or if it sounds good, just go, yeah. go with it. <laughs> okay. Um, and then from there, you completed a Bachelor of Sports Exercise Science. Yep. Um, and then you opened up a boutique-type gym. Very good community. Um, I think they're focused on powerlifting. It was at the time, yeah. Yeah. So Nat was a powerlifter. Probably doesn't look like it now, but he used to lift heavy things. Um, <laughs> a lot heavier than me. <laughs> Uh, and then from there, you then moved on to a business slash personal development consultancy agency yep. called Next Level, uh, which I was a part of as well. Uh, that was throughout Australia. And we, yeah, we had some international stuff in LA. Yep. So we would go back and forth. That was kind of our party piece. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So after that, um, you became a yogi. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> not aspiring. Aspiring, aspiring yogi. Uh, and then from there, I've seen uh, Nat grow into um, now an Outliners consultancy agency, yep. which is basically uh, personal business development. Yep. Um, he's actually got a book, which I'll bring up now, Phoenix. Oh, boom. So, yep, uh, I've read the book. It's fantastic. So if anyone that wants a book, uh, it's a little bit different to what you might think. Uh, very interesting views in there. So uh, definitely, if you're looking for a great book. Jump on Thanks, to that mate. one. Thanks, a little plug. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so, yeah, that's what brings you here to who you are today, yes? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, pretty good. Cool. <laughs> pretty good up the that, That's pretty good? Uh, <laughs> I cool. suppose... Now it. In any other context, I wouldn't jump in because it wouldn't be relevant. But it is relevant for some of the things. So, in between that, I was lecturing and tutoring at QUT through my master's program, which, was, which I shouldn't have been because my grades weren't up to scratch. But... I got along with some people and I went back and studied, finished off psych in amongst all that stuff as well. Uh, and that, the only reason I'm kind of saying that is because it does bleed into what outliers is now. So that's the only, yeah. Yeah. Now we're here. Cool. Awesome. All right. So tell me a little bit about young, young Nat at school. What was Nat like at school? (laughs) (laughs) Fill us in. Cracking question. (laughs) Um, what was I like at school early on? Really social, had a lot of had a lot of mates, never got along. I had a great time at school, honestly. I absolutely loved it. Loved the social side. I had a good head on my shoulders. I didn't have to apply myself that much to kind of... I was never outstanding, but I got through enough where mum thought I was trying. So I was like, yeah, sweet, that covers that. But I was just ticking boxes. Like, yeah. I was never a standout at anything. And I got the typical, you know, report card feedback. He could be great if he applied himself. And I was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, been there too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I loved school, man. I absolutely loved it. A lot of, I remember a lot of my friends complaining about it. And I just didn't understand their view of it. I actually got along with teachers really well too. Yeah. Yeah, so I had a great time. Yeah, I was very, cool. uh, my people would tell me when I was young, people would tell my parents when I was younger that I was um, extremely easy to get along with like an adult, whatever that meant. Cool. Yeah. So um, I suppose mature for your age would I be... I suppose so, but it may, I mean, like I was just being 
me, and but that's what people saw. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you didn't feel any different as a kid to other kids? Or did you feel didn't that feel growing different. up or no? No. No. No real difference. No. The only thing I did notice now looking back was I was a lot more sensitive than other people. Um, yes. I was uh, hiding. That's something that I've definitely... We spoke about that, yes, actually. I, was yes. a, I used to hide a lot of sensitivity, like uncontrollable sensitivity. Mm. Because you had to be tough, right, to be a guy. Yeah, tough, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Playing a lot of footy, you know. Yeah. 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 And which, lift heavy things, lift right? Lift heavy things. Wow. Lift heavy things, exactly. Did that lead into that? Was that one of the things that went through your mind, maybe? Like, was that one of the reasons you... What, what got you into... Um, lifting? Weightless? Lifting, yeah. Yeah. Um, no idea how to deal with grief. And so that's what kind of the gym felt safe. Okay. Lost my old man when I was 16. When I was 16, yeah, to suicide. And... It was, it was a shock. It was, no one saw it coming. Obviously, it fractured a lot of our family, and it was pretty full on. But I found some respite in academics and in lifting weights. And I got, I got it confused. I got the grief process and the dealing with that confused with my personal purpose. So I thought I'd found my thing nice and early. I thought it was gym and it was academics. Like, that was my thing. Looking back, it was, it was at a complete vice for not understanding grief and not understanding how angry I was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, well, I can speak personally the same. Like, for me, gym was a way I could shut my mind off, right? So for that yeah. hour, it was training hard. And, I, you know, I used to think, you know, I'd train so hard that there was no chance for me to think about exactly. anything, right? And, you know, yeah. that was like a moment of peace and people, like, yeah. didn't kind of understand. So, um, and one thing I wanted to ask, and I think, I don't know whether it's just the industry that we've been in and because we've been a part of it. I do find that a lot of people use exercise as their stepping stone into um, personal development or, or into sort of moving to that next level. Is that, yeah. could you? Yeah, there's a lot to be said about um, the physical, how physicality plays into our mental health. And it is a, it's, a, it's a fine line. I'll tell you why exercise is a fine line. Again, this, this, and this is actually quite an unpopular view. Yep. Which might be a lot of my views, actually. <laughs> now hey, look, we're right, here, here for your view, and um, you know, <laughs> uh, nothing is off the table Great. here. Nothing, nothing Great. is off limits. So, yeah. All right. So, your more generalized mental mental health, generalized anxiety, generalized depression, um, exercise is massively beneficial, right? Massively, 100%. massively beneficial. So beneficial that no one talks about it because it just solves so many problems. Now, in some stress-related. Uh, pathologies, whether it's developmental stress disorder or adjustment disorder or those things, um, normally normally that come from contextual trauma as a youngster, especially showing up like attachment issues and things like that. Exercise makes it worse. And so people don't people don't like to look at this. And I'll tell you why it makes it worse. And you'll see people that get addicted to very intense weightlifting, things like CrossFit and very long endurance activities you typically find they have some developmental trauma because the intensity the intensity gives them a neurochemical holiday from their neurotic patterns. Which is basically what I just said before. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, it definitely yeah. does because you, you are away from the thinking, away from that. Yes, for that. the anxiety. Yeah. Typically the anxiety that yeah. shows up in the gap of attachment. And the reason why it makes it worse is because we, know, we now know as professionals in this industry, the way to get someone out of that is integration of body, mind, and breath. Hands down, the best approach for developmental stress-like pathologies. And Bessel van der Kolk is the, is the cornerstone of, of this. Understanding, 
understanding how body, mind, and breath must come back together to hear to, to make sure this person feels the harmony in their body and the substance of their body. Yeah. Intense exercise does the opposite, eh? Intense exercise puts the body in one direction, the mind in one direction, and the breath trying to keep up. Yeah, okay, yeah. So you get the neurochemical holiday for the four-hour window after intense exercise, and you're straight back into it when that wears off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he's the guy with the, that popular book, The Body Keeps Body Keeps right? Score. Yep, yep, cool. Um, yeah, well, that's interesting. That's an interesting view and yeah. something that... Uh, so when you talk about mind, body, and breath, I yeah. suppose I think that's why he, that Dr. What is Bessel, Bessel talks yeah. a lot about uh, yoga is such a um, massive. massive, you know. And I know in my life when I've, my yoga practice is all over the shop sometimes, yeah, but exactly. when I have been really committed, uh, yeah. yeah, I definitely felt the, the benefits of that. 100%. Yeah, it's mind blowing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what's your yoga practice like at the moment, Matt? Mate, my practice is actually pretty tidy at the moment. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice my 90-minute session this morning. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm really, I'm right into it. Right, right into it. I probably lift now twice a week and uh, practice three or four. When I was at my best, that's exactly what I, I if I had to choose yoga or go to the gym, I'd be always be go to yoga. So yes. I'm, my practice is Bikram hot yoga. I love yeah. hot yoga. Tidy. Um, so what's your favorite Man, I, I cycle through a lot of them. I really, I'm at, I kind of am at the level now where I, I kind of know what my body wants, whether it wants something quite fast and flowy or whether it wants slow and deep, whether it wants more of a, um, uh, more of a, a sadhana type mind focus session where it's just all about following my breath while I move and I can shift my intention that way. So I'm right into it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So what other uh, somatic practices would yeah. you recommend for anyone that's listening that uh, yeah. may be dealing with some of these cool. um, traumas? Good question. So um, the first, if you, I'll, I'll give a kind of, if you experience what I'm about to say, then I'll go into some of what you can do. So typically with people that are, that experience increased levels of stress, which is that inner feeling of disharmony. Um, and it feels like there's inescapability, like you can't get away from yourself and it just, you just go on a spiral. So somatic type stuff is really, really good for that type of experience yep. where it feels like everything's going fine and then you experience a little bit of stress, maybe then the fear of loss and then that spirals into an intense inner experience. That was me, like forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so some basic somatic style stuff that really, really helped me was something called beach balls. So simple. It beach ball is literally just breathing in and breathing out and you following your hands like a beach ball and it follows your rib cage. Yeah. And so the, the practice... So you focus on looking at your hand or you focus on sort of your... You focus your mind on following how your hands and rib cage move together. And that's where you get, that's where you get the, the, the concentration type practice while following the breath and with the physical movement as well. It's a really simple one to start. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. So with your breath, is there like a, um, a time? Like is it four seconds in or for just whatever feels right for you? Yeah, or what kind of I try not to get too snazzy with the, with the numbers. I normally just try and find the top and the bottom with natural breath. Yeah. And I, like if I'm getting really, you know, if I really want to focus on it, I'll just extend the exhale just a touch longer. Um, so we're talking about heart rate variability here as well. On the inhale, heart rate should lift a little bit and you'll feel it. 
on the exhale, your heart rate should lower. Exactly, yeah. Heart exactly. rate variability. And that's why um, if, when you do breathing exercises, if your exhale is longer than your inhale, then your heart rate should always come down. Yes. And vice versa. So that's a good way of yeah. regulating your heart rate. That's something that I learned yeah. uh, as well, which is really, really Yeah, that's cool. right. And and yep. you see it a lot in, if you look at you know charts of, of PTSD, whether it's EMG or whatever you're looking at, or even HRV or heart rate variability, in PTSD, it's all over the place. Right? Mm. There's no there's no confluence between breath and heart at all. Like at all, it's all over the place. And so even just starting there, if you've got some PTSD-like stuff going on, even just learning about HRV and aligning those things can really downregulate the stress. Because the stress is what tips people over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a great um, YouTube video, Alan Watts. I don't know if you've heard yep. of Alan Watts. Yep. So he describes uh, exactly what you're saying. So if you can regulate your breath. So uh, anxiety, for example, can you have a heart rate of, say, 120 beats. So it's quite high. Yep. But then so is excitement, right? Exactly. So what's the difference is, is one heart rate is actually nice and smooth, whereas the other one's kind of quite jagged, All right? Place, All over yep. the place. So that's how... If you use your breath, you can then hopefully get yourself from an anxiety, even to a new, I'm not going to say you're going to go into excited, you just trim the edge. but you can then like bring it back to a place where it's manageable and yeah. you can then you know, use other stuff like, or for me, it's gratitude is another good one. So yeah, um, yeah cool. Awesome. So yeah, there's this beach ball, which is nice. And, and the focus there is feeling like your center of self is in the middle of your rib cage. So it's, and again, it's about bringing that center down into the middle of the rib cage following the breath with your mind but also following the ribs and hands at once so it's really integrated mm. the other one i'll share too is about hemispheric synchronicity which is a fancy word it just means normally the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere in someone that's experienced contextual trauma is out of whack they're not synchronized properly yep so what's happening is the, the left hand side not typically a manager type feeling like get your shit together Keep your head on straight. You're an adult. Grow yep. up. <laughs> well, I said that to myself quite a bit. Me nah. too. <laughs> and the right-hand side of your brain, which is focused on things like chaos, meaning, and danger, very pattern-driven. Left-hand side is very certainty-driven, very logical. And the right-hand side is very pattern-driven, as I said, creative, yep. chaotic, and looks for danger. And what you have is this complete desynchronization where the right-hand side of the brain goes, we're in danger. And the left-hand side goes, no, we're not. Like, relax. And so you've got desynchronization. Mm. That, that, that sounds like it's never going to work in anyone, right? You've got no. this constant two-fro battle happening. And yeah. you, you, like the, the typical, when I'm working with someone, I, I know where they're at as soon as they say this. They beat themselves up for not being able to control themselves. And I'm like, ah, I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And so it's um, the biggest challenge I find with working with clients like that is... N- they're open and willing to understand why. But to truly work on yourself in an integrated way, you've got to let go of the Western, very Westernized mm. myth of work hard, stay stable, hus- like make something of yourself and, and force yourself to do things. I love that. You've got to turn that down to even access somatic style healing. Yeah. You yeah. can't do them both at the same time. No, that's very interesting. Uh, that's one thing that I try to also portray to people is, you know, this idea of success, you know, is so yeah. obscured today. Like, you know, you know, if I asked you what was a successful day, they'd be like, oh, well, I hit my KPI. Totally. Like, no. It's like, well, did you open the door for an old lady or did you, you know yeah. what I mean? Did you do something to help someone else? Like, for me, that's a successful yeah. day when you've 
done something to um, to better better like other people's lives? And then did you work on yourself? Like what did you do today that you know you that you overcame today for yourself? Like not yeah. who cares about your the success on the outside. So yeah, that's that's Man, cool. I've got one for you. you ready? Here we go. <laughs> when I really want to jar people about that, I'll say, look, sharing people about your achievement style of life will be as jarring as racism really soon. <laughs> so when someone turns around and goes, oh, I achieved this and I achieved this, soon it'll be as jarring and as uncomfortable as a really, really old guy that doesn't realise it's really not cool to be racist anymore. That is cool. <laughs> I like that. You, you I'm heard writing it, that one you, down. You heard it here first, <laughs> whatever the date is. There'll be a time where people will say that and you'll be you'll feel uncomfortable. No, nah, I, 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 I'm liking this shift that's happening uh, in the world today yeah. and I think it's long overdue and... Yes, I saw, uh, and I've talked to you personally about it before. Like sometimes I feel like, you know, what have we done as a race? Like, are we yeah. going to be able to come back from this? But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, these things are going to happen. I think for them to then grow and evolve, and um, so yeah, we are living an exciting time yeah. in this world. But um, so yeah, I'd like to s- step back a little bit. So yeah. you talked a bit about uh, your father. Obviously, that was yep. a very difficult process. Yep. Um, so when did this, I would say when was the when did the penny drop like for you like um, like that you knew you weren't coping with the grief or that you kind of yeah it's a good question um, when did the penny drop when there was a there was a real um, what would you call let's say disjunction dis is things weren't working how I perceived the world and what I thought was going to happen and how I was planning things to happen just stopped working out. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you get you get hit with that existential question of like either the entire world is wrong or I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. And let's just go on probability. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I maintain the world's wrong, but probability <laughs> says I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Just I just hit the wall too many times. Burnt too many relationships. Burnt too many friendships. Lost too much money. Was too impulsive. Uh, was too rigid, in a weird way. I worked hard, but I was very rigid. Um, I couldn't let myself go. I couldn't take time off, and it just kept hitting the wall. Mm. And and you begin to realize that I began to realize that my action taking was not out of some divine inspiration, but my action taking was to turn down uncomfortable emotions I didn't understand. Cool, yeah. And I think a lot of people are, get stuck there, actually. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, you know, like you said, the people that, you know, work too hard. You know, what, yeah. what are you running away from? What is it that you're not dealing with that makes you want to work that hard? You yeah. Know? And you know, why are you not spending time with your family instead, or whatever? Or why are you running six thousand marathons? You know, what I mean, like yeah, exactly. You know, what yeah. is it that you're running from, or what is it that you aren't dealing with? Um, can you not sit? To, can you not sit by yourself for ten minutes? And if you can't, then why? Exactly. You know? have exactly. A, have, ask yourself why. You know? That's the test. That's the test. Yeah. Honestly, that is the test. Go and sit with yourself for ten to fifteen minutes, and let just let me know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if you want to go extreme, um, go do uh, vipassana and then come back to me. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be a puddle. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the toughest experiences. Uh, and how, of my how's life. this? Oh, you did vipassana. Yeah, I did vipassana. Retreat. Uh, two Seven years. days. Ten days. Ten days. Two That's years a long ago. one. Yeah. So. Did you um, lose it? No, I was. Good. I was. Held it on the rails. Yes. Yes. Just. Right. <laughs> the toughest thing for me was the body, for me because yes. I've got 
bad knees, back. Constant sitting. And so you're in this, like, you've got to be in that position, right? Yeah. And me being me, I was... So you've, for those of you that don't know, Vipassana is like a silent retreat. Um, it's based on um, a Buddhist-style meditation. You, so it's 11 and a half hours of meditation a day. Um, three of them hours are compulsory inside the actual hall. And the others, you can sit in the hall or you can go back to your room. Yeah. Um, but I was like, if I'm here, I'm going to do it properly. So I spent the whole 11 and a half hours in the hall. I was yeah. like, I'm, did, I'm, you know what I mean? That's just what I do when I'm doing something like that. Yeah, so, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, no talking. Um, no, you can't even look at anyone. You can't, you know, no hand gestures, no nothing. It's just you and your mind for yeah. 10 days straight. Uh, you can't have any books. can't even write. You can't even write. You yeah. know, obviously, some people would, but... I was like, no, I'm going to do this properly. Yeah, and uh, you, yeah, so being in that position, I think the first two hours, I was like, my knees are gone, my back, I'm like, I'm struggling bad. Eh? Like, yeah. I couldn't even sit still for 15 <laughs> minutes without moving. Shit. Yeah, and after two hours, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm feeling this sore now, what's going to be tomorrow? I'll be sore tomorrow. And then yeah. I'm going to do it for 11 hours. And I was yeah. just like, I almost nearly did my own head in, right? Yeah. And then I was like, Stop a little bit trying, all right? Yeah, it's, been two hours, it. it's been two hours. Come yeah. on, man. Um, and then, yeah, so the next day, surprisingly, I got a little bit better. I was like, even yeah. though, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll work with it. And then I seen all these other guys go up beside me and he went up and seen, like, the monks. So that's the only time you can talk. You get, like, questions where you can yep. go up and ask him. And he went up and he must have said, oh, I've got a bad back or whatever. And they gave him, like, this little chair to sit on. And I was like... Fuck yeah, I'm going up and ask. Yeah. I was like, hey man, yeah, got some bad knees. Hey man, I love it. <laughs> and I got it, which I do. I was like, oh, I'm sore back. He looks at me and goes, okay, sit back down. And I was like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. And then I got cranky. I was like, no, I'm going to show you this guy. I'm going to do it. And then, yeah, so by the end of it, the last day, I was able to sit in that position and not move for the whole two hours. It was the longest session. It was two hours. Yeah. Um, and so that was like a massive achievement for going from couldn't do more than 15 minutes on day one yeah. to doing two hours. Um, yeah, that is massive. Yeah, and by the end of it, you don't even, I didn't even want to open up my phone. Like, I was just like, yeah. I was just... You feel how much it takes you away from yourself. Oh, right? 100%. And, yeah, the thoughts that go through your mind, like, I was at a point where you could, you could feel the pain, but you could kind of, like, just let it go. Kind of, that sounds crazy, but you could. You could just yeah, be like, can. okay, cool, it's there. Leave it there and just keep doing the. Anyway, we've gone a bit off track, but yeah, do the past night anyway. If you want to yeah. um, really test yourself, uh, they do it at the Sunshine Coast and they do cool. it in Melbourne. Um, I'm due yeah. for a retreat. Yep. So I'm have you, you haven't done it before? I've done. So the Zen version <coughs> is Seshin, which is really similar. It's just a little bit more stricter on the protocols. Um, but versions of that, yeah, not as long, not as long. But what you do, the difference with Zen Seshin, Japanese, is that you sit in the kind of you come to the hall yeah and you do the session uh and it's very very structured and then you you get the chance to do something called dokusan which is you go to the roshi and then you ask questions about your practice or you could be working on koans which is a similar thing um so yeah similar but it's the zen and the zen style is attractive to the westerners because it's an intellectual way it's an intellectual path to you can call it enlightenment, to wholeness, unity, love, whatever. But I found it a bit dry. I'm an expressive type, you know, person. So the Zen, yep. the Zen style and the Buddhist style methods don't don't scratch the itch like other methods for me. But I've just been I've just been in this space for a long time, just practiced a lot of stuff. So 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. So which ones did scratch the itch? <laughs> Interestingly okay? enough for me, the ones that the ones that truly okay, so to open someone's mind is actually not that hard. Um you can have someone with good trait openness and take them through some stuff to open their mind quite quickly. Opening someone's heart is a completely different story. Mm. And so, mm, definitely, hundred percent. Yes, the Buddhist style retreats, vipassana, and the Zen style sashins are very much opening minds, mm. which is cool. But opening heart is what I was looking for. I wanted the big kaboom. You know, I didn't want to play the mind games. Yeah. Um, Hindu methodology got me there. Okay. Devotional practice, which us Westerners do not like at all. We it's really hard to wrap our ego around. Um, Hindu style devotional practice which is a loving practice and it is devotion to the guru so you become subordinate to the guru and you love and love and love and love and it starts to open up and it and you instead of having the big mind experience which is still cool the big mind experience is you can realize oneness through the intellect but you want you're one with everything your intellect can handle which is great but it's nothing compared to the oneness you feel through the big heart, which is, oh, oh my God, I am everything. Not I'm connected with everything. It's, oh my God, I am everything. Yeah, okay. And that moment's big and different and you can't go back from it. And I got glimpses of and I'm not some realized enlightened being at all. I got glimpses of that through more of a devotional practice. The devotional, yeah. Okay, so if people wanted to look that up, what where would they go? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very very hard to because I'm I'm gonna look this up, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah, this yeah. this is you know I haven't really um, heard much yes. about this, so I'm I'm interested myself. Yeah. yeah, well I don't even know where you'd start to be honest. Um, so I, okay, so my head goes to one of the things that is a meditation it's called like love and kindness meditation, where you yes. kind of like close your eyes, right, and then you. You know, think of someone that you love, right? And then you send them like love and kindness, and you think of them like doing something really magical. You know, got smiles on their face, and you know, you're like, oh, that's so nice, right? And then you go, okay, now think of like someone that is a work colleague, you know, you don't love as much, and you know, picture them doing yes. something, you know, like love and kindness, you know, and then send them love and kindness, and then yeah. picture someone that you don't like, right? And now it starts to get difficult because you don't like this, and then you go, okay, yes. send them, and picture them being in a loving. And then I suppose the last one is, you know, do it to yourself, right? Because that's yeah. the most important one. Yeah, yeah. See, that's getting there. So that, is that, that's definitely is that getting similar there. to what you, or yeah. not really? No, that no, that's that's definitely well on the way. The loving kindness practice, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk, made that really big. He's yeah. all about that loving kindness. You know, realizing that oh, we're kind of off, off track there, but that's okay. No, we can go. Okay, anyway. sweet. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> we can go anyway. Um, yeah, so the loving kindness does cross over into the Hindu style method, but the Hindu style devotional method is about uh, loving the guru to the point where you kind of merge with the guru's consciousness. And a guru is in India is really just a saintly person that their job is to love everyone, and mm. that's that's their job. Sounds like a sweet job. Yeah, <laughs> and their social role is saint. So their their social role is to love everyone. It's not like the thing is with this with the the bhakti, which is the Hindu kind of devotional stuff, very loving, very heart driven. Is that these guys? They don't these saints and gurus don't put themselves above or below anyone else. It's just their job. 
It's like it's, there's a train driver, there's an engineer, and then there's the guru. It, it's like they're not some special being. Yeah, it's just these jobs. They're just doorways to love, mm. unconditional love. And so when you experience someone that sees you unconditionally, it melts you. It melts you into a, a whole new way to be because you're like, you see every bit of me, which is terrifying. <laughs> it's just terrifying. Yeah. You see every single bit of me and there's I, there's zero judgment mm. and and you don't even know me. And when you can f- when you can connect with someone in a way like that, it it, you, it complete it gives you a whole new model for life. It, okay, so did you go to India and meet someone like? So no, I this? found this in a really odd way. Like I've just been, you could say, at the, you could at some level at some level you could say I've been a seeker of sorts. Yeah, but <clears throat> not not by choice. I just suffered a lot and was sick of it. <laughs> Literally, if I had my choice, I'd be like a pro athlete or like someone cool. I'm the least cool person on the planet. Like Uh, I was interested in this stuff because conventional ways were not helping me. No, that's correct. And that's similar to myself. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think the first couple of psychologists I went to and I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Yeah. Anyway, off topic, keep going. Oh, no, mate, that's bang on topic. Like what you begin to realize is... Well, I I have found great peace in seeing, understanding reality in terms of levels, not mm. left or right. So once you can work with yourself deep enough to get out of the binary sense of life, like there's a wrong and a right and an up and down and all that jazz, you get off the linear train where life is just linear. There's this timeline and we've got to kind of live it and we make decisions and then we die and that's it. When you start to understand reality in levels, the whole thing changes. Mm. And you go, oh, hang on, I don't have to rush. I don't have to stress. Everything has its place at a certain level. Which ties me back into the Hindu service. They understand this deeply. They understand. That gives you a level of uh, peace and compassion for yourself, right? Bingo. Bingo. Yep. Is there's different subcomponents of me that have different ideas that exist at different levels, and they're all relevant. They're all relevant, which means they're all necessary, which means they all deserve compassion no matter how broken they feel. Cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and we can't like we can't get to the place of self-compassion without without first understanding how to train our minds to be empty and lose um, lose all our mental models. If you've still got a mental model, it's very, very hard to be compassionate towards yourself. A mental model of how things should be, how your life should be, how your partner should be, what your work should be, do, am I making enough money? You know, the dramas mm. of life, mm. they're all models. Mm. We can't get to self-compassion unless we first extricate ourselves from a lot of our models. Yeah, and it's very hard to do that in today's society with Mate. the news telling you, the radio's telling you, Instagram's telling yeah. you, Facebook's telling you, everyone's telling you what you should should not be doing, right? Yeah. So um, I recommend everyone turn that TV off straight away. For sure. Uh, radio, limit that, you know, start... Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, it just to. doesn't allow you the chance to freely think. Yeah. Like, I've always had a big... Tr- Some people call <laughs> me rebellious. I don't think I am that rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> no. I, I, would, I, 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 yeah, I think I'm similar in that aspect. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I would say I'm, I value... <laughs> I value putting myself in an environment and a place and a lifestyle where I can freely think. And for whatever reason, that resonates as rebellious. 
Okay, I'm cool with that. It would to the herd, which is doing yeah. the yeah, not doing that. So yes. the, yeah, yeah, to them it would look that way, but to me that seems quite normal. Yeah, 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 for sure. Where were we? What were we talking about? Um, Compa- self compassion, emptiness. Yeah, uh, the guru. guru. So how do we find a guru, or how do we find? Yeah, that okay, so that okay, that's where we're at. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, I started getting interested in people like this through miracle stories. I was just, they, I just found them entertaining. Mm. And if you haven't heard a proper miracle story, they just rattle you in mm. the best way. Yeah. Because there's no reason to lie about them. No. And our little Western mind just short circuits yep. on miracle stories. Um, okay, quickly, best yes. miracle story, go. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so I think the best one would be, this is one that comes to mind. There's a guru, he's passed away now. Um, Neem Karoli Baba was his name. Uh, Maharaji is what they called him. And he was, they couldn't, like all, he'd, all he had was a water pot and a blanket. That's it. He didn't have anything. Yeah. And he would eat through people feeding him and devotionally giving him stuff to eat, and that's how he would eat. And that's he would just sit there all day. That's what he'd do. And he had this presence about him. And that's what that's what unconditional love feels like. It's this presence that you can't when you're into in it. You can't. And the weird thing is, is that you love everyone when you're in it. Yeah. It's, it's the coolest thing, and it blasts your mind into nothing. Yeah. And you start to be you, you begin to realize that. A mind-based life is a life of separateness and a heart-based life is a life of unity. And so we can't actually get to that unity that we all, you know, in the heavens feel like when we're doing it through here. So this is the this is the miracle story. This guru is a bit of a loose unit, just does what he wants. His blanket just falls off. Like, he's got not a care in the world. He just, his job is to love people. Walks down the street and it goes into this barber shop, barber hairdresser, whatever. This is in India. And everywhere he goes, people give him free stuff because he's a saint. He's a saint. That's what you do. So he walks in and the, the barber is wrapped, you know, like, Maharaji, you're here, like, free everything. What do you want? Rubbing his feet, massaging him, you know, and starts shaving his beard and gets halfway, right? So he get, gets halfway. This is a true story, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I go, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's every time I tell him, ah. So he's got half a beard and the barber, is, the barber said, look, I haven't seen my son in two years. I don't know where he is. I'm struggling with my faith that he's still alive. Maharaji's taking it on board. And he's still shaving and he gets about half his beard done. And and he goes, I'm just going to go. I'll be back. I'm just going to go to the toilet. So the saint Maharaji gets up, goes to the toilet, comes back. And he goes, your son will be here in two days. It's fine. Relax. And the guy's like, yeah, okay. Like I haven't seen him in two years. Yeah. And that, that's the story. So he finishes his beard, walks out. <laughs> and so the story goes, the son rocks up at the barbershop and runs in panic going, what's, what's going on, Dad? Like, I've just, I've, I've just got a job at a hotel. I'm managing a hotel two hours away. I'm all good. And he goes, why did you send a guy with a half-shaved beard to come tell me? Like, it's just odd. He came in with a towel around his head, he had a half-shaved beard, and then he said, he said you've got to go see your dad, and then left again. What the? Exactly. Now, you've got two options now, right? You either put that in the fictional Disney bucket of, oh, yeah, or you, you, you play with it and go, what if? 
you know? Yeah. Why would someone lie? And there's, by the way, there's so many of those stories. Yeah. So, so many of those stories. Another one, when the, the reason why he got his name, Neem Karoli Baba, is because when he was young, he wasn't, he felt like he'd never fit in anywhere. So he got on a train and, uh, well, he tried to get on a train. They wouldn't let him on because he didn't have any money. And so he kind of like swindled them and said he was going to pay at the next stop or whatever and kind of bluffed his way onto the train. They got to a village called Neem Karoli and the ticket has come up and said, we're kicking you off here. You haven't paid. And he's like, all right, no worries. So he gets off the train, train stops working. <laughs> he just sits down there and waits. And everyone's freaking out, you know, panicking. These Indi- Indian trains are mental. Yeah. And people yell out, let the saint back on, let the <laughs> saint back on. And he walks on, he goes, what, you think I'm going to be able to start this train? Like, you guys are crazy. He sits back down, train starts. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So... Um, I'm very new to like this. So yep. how do you become a saint? Like, so what, what, um, prerequisites or what do you have to do? Or like, surely you can't just be like, I'm going to become a saint and I'm a saint, right? So how do you have, what? Is right, that's above you... my pay, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to know these <laughs> questions, right? <laughs> we, what we have I been you on this. for? What we, yeah. Yeah, we, you said you, you knew the answer. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely something I would be, feel very unconfident in speaking about. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, that's awesome. I, yeah. I love that type of stuff. Yes. And Hits you in the heart, right? Like, yeah, that's the difference. Definitely. Uh, and there's heaps of uh, stories, like, not with uh, the Indian version, but of just people, yeah. you know, being able to, you know, they go and see cancer and the cancer's gone or something exactly. like, like, you know, exactly. it's unexplainable. So there is other yeah. forces, other things that, and this is what I, uh, it really frustrates me, like, when I try to talk to someone about something and they're like, Oh, that's not very science-based, right? And I'm like, I don't want to ring your neck right now because in the history of the world, when has science been right? Or when have we seen science go, oh, we've actually fucked up there yeah. and we're getting closer to being right, but we're never right. Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah, don't yeah, you yeah. reckon? Like, so, yeah, it depends what you mean by right. Like, Well, yeah, okay, that's another hole. Okay. It is, it <laughs> is, whether it's relative or absolute or, you know, we can go down that rabbit hole if you want. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, tell me. Where about... do you go after miracles, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting. Like, how's he going to handle this? <laughs> that is a good question. Um, I, I, I want to go into a little bit about um, your journey. Uh, I know. Are we? Are you okay to talk about? Hey, far away. Open yeah. Book. Uh, so it's in, oh, it's in your book. Anything. So it's in your book. You know. I mean, so yeah, it's in the book. Then yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously you you went through a period where you're at uh, next level and yep. you start to realize, hey, look, this isn't this isn't me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it explain that through, and then like how you were able to sort of um, come out the other side and yeah. then um, suppose live more true to to yourself. Um, yeah. I suppose I remember we were talking. I remember. Or at next level, and we we're talking something about snowboarding come up, and you're like, "Oh, I'd love to get a snowboarding boat." Uh, and you picked it, I've, yeah. And, and, and you're like, oh, but "I'm trying to like change the world with this next level," and I'm like, Mm-mm. Yeah, right. "Yeah." As soon as I seen that, I was like, "Nope, this is not what he should be doing." Yeah. This is, uh, and it was funny how I picked up on that, and then moments later, yeah, was, <laughs> moments later, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, next level was great for me um, early on. So my business partner at the time, Tim, we had a working relationship at the start. 
has helped me out with some business stuff and some mentoring. And that merged really quickly into a business relationship. We didn't do much, I would say, formal client mentor stuff before it turned into something that we worked on together. I had a bit of a reputation in the fitness industry. I had some people following me, enough of an audience, you could say, to start something. So Tim come in and we both gave a, gave a presentation. Everyone's like, that was great. And by the way, this was like six years ago before personal development was in was it was a cultural conversation that's when we started yeah so it was very oddball at the time like it was happening but it wasn't there was no one out there really preaching it you know and i didn't know what i was doing like at all um and i didn't want to do that i was happy being the gym guy i was 105 kilos juicy you know all i wanted to do was pick up heavy things (laughs) fine that was life was good yeah and the more and more I've become open to this kind of stuff, the more and more I could see the value in it for myself and others and, and started playing with it. I just like I just started fiddling with things. And Tim one day said, you know, look, I want you to come do this thing with me full time. And I was like, yeah, no, not, it's not my thing. And then I remember him going to Sydney and kind of just threw me in the deep. And he's like, I'm going to Sydney for the weekend. I've got a weekend full of rooms and you're doing them. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not. How about that? Yeah. Like... I was fine with doing presentations at school and uni and stuff like that. But I'm like, these are business owners that are paying you money. I'm a nobody. I'm the big juicy gym guy. Like, can I just be that? And he was like, look, you're the only one I reckon you could pull this off. And I have to go to Sydney for this opportunity. Now, I'm still not sure whether he actually went to Sydney (laughs) and whether it was work or whether he just kind of threw me in the deep end. Tim would be pretty hard to say no to as well. He is. Very charming (laughs) guy. Yeah. And so I fronted up. I did the weekend. I was nervous as hell. And all I did was kind of share stories about how I was doing business at the time. And they seemed to like it. They liked it enough where it wasn't a failure. Mm. It wasn't some hit success, <laughs> but they liked it enough where it wasn't a failure and enough for me to go, maybe there is something in this for me. I felt comfortable enough in front of people. That was no issue. Tim trusted me. I was like, maybe I'll give this thing a crack. And I did. I was feeling a little bit torn with the gym identity. You know, hey, Nat, what do you do? I own a gym. Some, uh, you know, a little bit of it just didn't feel right. Mm. So maybe this is a pathway out of here. And so that's what led me down there. And it was great for three years. It was fine. But we had early success. And if you've had early success, it's fucking dangerous. Mm. Early success is dangerous because you start a business with really good intentions. You're really open. You have no entitlements. You have no expectations. You're really just there to serve. When things go well, it's amazing. You know, you sign your first big retainer sort of corporate client and that's amazing. Everything's amazing. Everything's like, holy shit, this is working. Yeah. And then you get really, really invested. And then all of the stuff that makes (coughs) it work goes to shit. And then you start expectations. You have entitlements and you get into Barneys with clients and, you know, you become unclear in your expectations and all the stuff that was kind of carrying you tends to go to the wayside. Well, it did for me, it did for us. And we just had, we developed an ego, a business ego, and it was stupid. And I was trying my best to ground the whole operation. Like it was getting big. It was getting out of hand, not out of hand. It was, it was, we had some traction. We had a lot of people that knew who we were, and my, I was trying to ground this thing, like just, it's about the people. Like it's about, you know, being relatable. I, oh, I wanted to be relatable. There you go. I was trying to ground it and be relatable. And I was getting criticized for that because I wasn't pushing them enough. I wasn't, you know, pumping them up enough. I wasn't doing that stuff. Mm. And I folded. I can honestly say I folded and went, maybe I'm doing this wrong then. I'll go back to doing the, you know, intense 
kind of pushing people. And the more I did that, the more unwell I got. Mm. Listen to your body, right? Listen oh, to man, like I just I wanted to keep Tim happy, <coughs> so I it was majority majority his company, so it was kind of his way. That's that's cool. That's what I signed up for. Yeah. So I tried to do it his way, but I felt this natural thing. I wanted to ground everything, and he would didn't like that. So I just kept adjusting me to suit the company, because I thought I was that's what I wanted to do the best for the organization. Like I was really invested. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the more I changed who I was to try and fit what this company wanted to me to be, I ended up really unwell by the end of it, like psychologically very, very unwell. Um, and I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't keep up with the demands or the clients or the responsibility. And, you know, I had 10% of the company, so that was being held over my head, like, hey, you're a director, you've got to do this. And I was, I was unwell, I was being pushed, and it all just spilled over. Yeah. Yeah, and I just... I got so confused in my soul, like what I was, who I was. I had no, like, I'd, I'd lost all my business before that from impulsivity, trying to sell it too fast. I'd lost my car, lost a lot of money. And I was living in a one-bedroom apartment in the valley. No TV, no internet, nothing. Just meditating four hours a day, like trying to get my shit together, trying mm. to sort my act out, <coughs> trying to build this company by being someone that I wasn't. And so that was a combination for a disaster. And it, and it was a disaster. Like, I just had breakdown after breakdown. And it got so bad that one day I was, um, maybe a little discretion here about mental health stuff because this is where we're going. One day I was driving to work. This is in the peak of it. And I was still managing, trying to keep my shit together. Just going to work, like doing clients and just p pumping the coffee just to try and keep, you know, level. One day I was driving to work and I remember I had a nine o'clock client on the phone. That was sweet and it was hot and I fucking get really stressed out in the heat. Finished the nine o'clock client, lost track of time, realized I was going to go over for my 10.15. So that, there's the first little stressful feeling. Okay, my 10.15 is going to be late. That's annoying. Message him, hey dude, going to be late. Just let you know. He, his response wasn't that favorable. It wasn't like, yeah, bro, no worries. It was like, okay, um make sure we get everything done. Like, it was just a very jarring response. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to be late. I've pissed someone off. I'm a bit stressed. My fiancé at the time was in America traveling by herself, and I didn't take that very well. I struggled with that, actually. And then she popped up on social media having a night out, and it was that I miss you and I'm scared and the stress and the heat, and I was really unwell, and it tipped me over. It was just a combination of factors in any other day, that's normal stress. Yeah. For me, where I was at, that tipped me over the edge into this uncontrollable scream. I locked myself in my car and just screamed and screamed and screamed. And I was just experiencing this inner torture. Like, my awareness was so irritating, it was killing me. Like, it, it was so hard to describe. It felt like I was being ripped apart from the inside. And it was there was so much despair and so much torture that I, 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 the my only thing I could think about was go to nature. It's the only thing I could think about. So I'm trying to drive while I'm howling. I'm howling and I'm crying and I can't see and I'm going like 20Ks now. <laughs> and I find this park and I pull over. <coughs> and, I, and I sit on, and I, it's a, I laid on this rock and just prayed. I just prayed like, whatever this is, either end me now or give me some kind of answer. Otherwise, I'm just going to end it myself. 
and it was so there were, it was so intense that the next obvious step was the, the the suicide step was so obvious to me that it was honestly just another step on on the road. And it was this, I was helpless, but I was scared, but I felt tortured. I felt broken. I was just broken. Um, and so I'm sitting there in the park and I'm laying on this rock, praying, crying, and it's just nothing is relieving me. Nothing is toning it down. It's just sharper and more intense and sharper and more intense. I felt like I was dying. And it's the first time in my life I, 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 the only, I grabbed a stick and I just sunk it into my shoulder. I just sunk into my shoulder. And it was so relieving. The physical pain was a relief compared to the psychological pain mm. of that of that inner disconnection that is so torturous. Physical pain is actually a relief. Mm. And it was that moment of realization when I pulled it. I was like, "I've just self harmed." And I had an, I had enough awareness in that moment to go, "You've you've crossed a personal line. You've just self harmed. You've got to take yourself to the hospital. Like you just got to get there." So I tried to call my fiance's mum. She wasn't picking up. I tried to go, and I'm just, I'm shaking and wailing. It was a three-hour ordeal. Yeah. I'm just fully out of control. Got to the ER. By the, I was in my suit, by the way. I was in a full suit. <laughs> I walked into RBH ER, and everyone around me is like, there's some drug addicts, there's people with real injuries. And I'm, and then I walk in and feel guilty because like, you know, I, I'm a respectable person. I've got my suit on, I, you know, and I'm walking in just going, hey, someone please fucking help me. Yeah, <coughs> and so I sit down, and and this, this moment, I wish I could remember this nurse's name because this was important. I sat down, and a nurse that wasn't at the ER counter saw me, and walked over to me. And she wasn't, she wasn't part of the usual process. She saw me. She walked. She sat down. She's like, "What's going on?" And I was like, "I honestly have no idea. I, I can't tell you. I, nothing's wrong. Something's deeply wrong, but nothing's wrong." Mm. And Her she, awareness to see that must have been amazing. Yeah, yep. yeah. So this one nurse, and I can't remember. This is, you know, about my height, blonde bob haircut. That's all I remember through my. She just sat down next to me, and she just went, "Yeah," like she just was there with me. Mm. And it was such a powerful moment that just took the edge off everything. And I wish I could remember. Names. She, she, she walked me through a side door and just sat me in a chair, gave me a glass of water, and she's like, "We're going to be with you in a moment." And that was really impactful. For some reason she saw the situation. And so that's divine timing there. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, and she didn't need to say anything. She just spotted it, you know, walked me out. Yeah, it was great. But then after that is where it just, you know, it just gets worse. Like, you go in, doctor's like, "What's going on?" I'm like, oh, mate, I don't know. Like, <laughs> isn't that your job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, are you, "Are you are you suicidal?" I'm like, "What? I don't know what that means." Like, yes, but no. You know what I mean? Like, yes. It, it, I would say I am suicidal right now. Am I going to do it? No. And he's like, okay, we'll just, you know, Valiant, bang. Yeah, uh, that frust. yeah, anyway. Three Valiant, yeah. and I just felt, I literally felt myself dissociate. Like, I felt the Valiant hit, and I felt myself dissociate from my body. And I was like, because of what, what I'm trained in, too. So I'm like, oh, I'm dissociating. And I didn't even care. And I know the damage of what dissociation does, but I was my body was in so much disarray that I was like, no, I'm just going to allow this dissociation. So I just went hunk and just, just knocked relief. myself out. Yeah. And and yeah, that was a really that was a moment where I'm like, the only thing I know that is true, the only thing that I know that is true is I can't be in next level anymore. That's the only thing I knew. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's when I 
that's the only thing I knew what was true. I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have an income plan. I didn't have any savings. You know, I put it all into the business. Everything, everything. All I knew is I loved my fiance. We were living at her, their, her parents' place and I can't be in this company. And that's all the data I had to go off that I was sure about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's hectic. Yeah. Yeah. So made the call and um, it just didn't go down well. No, I'm, I couldn't imagine. Uh, so I'll let you keep going. Far but right. just something that uh, I'd like to just let people know is, you know, so, Nat is someone that, you know, knows a lot about psychology, a lot about heaps of stuff. That's why he's on the, on, on the show, <laughs> right? Um, but for someone like like yourself and like, you know, for me, like we can know all the stuff, you know, but we still struggle, right? We oh, still got right. stuff like, and people like look to us and just sometimes like they look to me and go, oh, your life must be amazing, right? And I'm just like, fuck no. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. still a struggle. I still, you know, yeah. we still have these things like yeah. stop. And and I think that's real important. I know like when I, you, I, I did struggle with Tim a little bit. Um, yeah. with that because he just seemed to be on this level where I just didn't think I could ever get to, right? Yeah. And I couldn't relate to that. And I think something that I think is important if you are a coach or if you are someone that helps people ever, like, just be related. Like, you know, yeah. let them know that, you know, yeah. we fucking struggle too. We've got stuff, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago I called you and I was not in a good place. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I think... <laughs> The people that want to help people actually struggle more because we know what it's like to go through that shit. So we, totally. you know, we probably struggle just as much, if not more than the people, you know what I mean? So yeah. I just want to um, let people know that. So Yeah, yeah anyway, that's, so. That, mate, that's bang on. Like uh, when someone said like, hey, you really like, you know, you got to love what you do and, and you're clearly really passionate about it. I'm like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I more feel what I do is a stewardship and a responsibility. If I had a, if I had my choice, I'd be a pro surfer or a pro golfer. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. Like Jack Johnson, seeing uh, pro surfer. Exactly. What more do you want? <laughs> exactly. Right. That's what I want. God, why didn't you not give me that? Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I want, but that's not what I do. Yeah. So it it does feel a little different for me, and um, it does feel it does feel a little different in terms of career because it's not really. I wouldn't say I, I'm in a, I have an established career, but it's been very odd. It's been a very odd unfolding of events. There's no way I could have designed it, you know. Yeah. Like, no way. So. Do you think, um, like, now, like, on reflection, can you, like, connect the dots and, like, is there yeah. this then related to this, you know? And does that then give you faith for the future? Yes. Or to know, like, for me, it does. Like, every time something that, you're like, how the fuck did this happen? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, like, and I'm like, hang on a minute. Every time this happened in my life, like something, this is, yeah. something has happened and that's, you know what I mean? And then I suppose uh, it's a way for you to to be a bit more at peace and just have a bit more faith and go, okay, look, you know, what does I need to learn? What is it that I'm not getting? And, you know, how's this going to help me grow to whatever? And asking yeah. them sort of questions can defer your focus, I suppose, from, um, you know, what the fuck's going on yeah. to, yeah make it the journey a little bit easier i'm not gonna say it's gonna be easy but yeah. yeah yeah i have a i have a real deep desire to be incredibly private um my ideal is privacy and isolation and i just can't do it like it, it's so strange it's why so can't you do this now well, because I feel a responsibility, and I almost feel like a karmic responsibility to go do what I do, mm. and 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 really work with people that come into into my world and work with them in a totally <coughs> unique way. 
um, which sometimes put me puts me in the spotlight, and, and I don't, I, I can't. It's a conundrum I've had for a very, very long time. Is I don't know how to handle the spotlight, or even, or even if I want it, it freaks me out. And I struggle with it a lot. Like there'll be times after next level. You've been to some events. They weren't massive, but they were massive enough to be an event. Mm. 120 people, as big as someone's 150. And every every single time, like whether I did the opening or some sections in it or whatever, um, the the backlash after that I was people would come up to you and they'd corner you, you know, and they would ask you questions and and I would panic like massively panic I would feel like I'm trapped again and I'd have to like I'd set up you know text messages with my fiance like hey like get me out of here <laughs> like, yeah. you need to come save me it would I would totally panic yeah okay yeah, yeah. interesting yeah it's it's still a still a conundrum <laughs> okay um yeah so let's go back into some mystical stuff um, sure <laughs> psychedelics yeah yep um, give me, give me. I suppose your. Have you looked much into the studies and stuff like that? Uh, is, I know a for me, bit, it's yeah. something that uh, I've used myself. Uh, mushrooms, I think, are amazing if they're done right in the right place, the right setting, yeah. the right people, um, right intention. And I've uh, experienced some of the most um, profound, I think, experiences I've had would be on, yeah. on mushrooms, and that moment when you said oh that from the heart that that one like yeah. I, I felt that yeah right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's a good this is it i want to be here forever yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. anyway go next day and go oh like you still you have that remnants of it right so you can't yes. go back yeah but you, it's yeah you've never, got the remnants yeah, yeah it's such a good way <laughs> but it's not as profound as yeah you know and you're like but the beauty of it right is like your brain did that yeah. like the mushrooms whatever but you your brain did that right yep. so it can do that with at the mushrooms right yeah. is that yeah it yeah, has yeah, to yeah. because it's got the mechanisms or the the chem or whatever it's, yes it can do that yes. i believe yep um so how do we do that no. <laughs> <laughs> you said you could answer this one yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i i am actually i lean towards the pessimistic side of the psychedelic conversation only because I can see it happening already. I'm sure you can too, which is the things that come, things that, things that are on the edge of culture that hit tend to get sucked into the middle of the culture really quickly. This is like anything. Crypto is probably a good example as well. It fringes, fringes, fringes. As soon as it hits, it gets sucked into the middle and now it's normal conversation and yeah. it happens so damn fast. Yeah, ayahuasca is a big one. Ayahuasca is a big one. Mm. It was relatively unknown, not that long ago. It was a fringy type thing. Mm. And then once it hits and people catch on, it gets sucked into the center of the culture really, really quickly. The faster people start talking about it, the more it gets massively misunderstood, misused. Diluted. Del yes. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes more of a... It becomes... You, you can even a tell. Way, it becomes a way for people to make money, not for people to help. Yeah, be, exactly. It's part of it too. crypto is... Yeah. Yeah. Very... There's that many scams out there, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's very hard to distinct until you... Unless if you know... Yes. What to look for. Um, 
and and I suppose I think the ayahuasca. Look, I haven't done it myself. I've been wanting to do it for like three years. But that's my favorite. Something it, 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 yeah. something always happens. So it's like, hey, look, it's not supposed to happen yet, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um. You know, I've had some really great experiences with mushrooms, so I'm happy to. Yeah. Stick with that for now, but if an opportunity arises, then yeah. But I. The thing I found is it almost. You talk to people that are in that the ayahuasca community or whatever, and the lady. I'm not going to mention her name, um, but the lady that I would go to, she's from Brazil. Like no, her, call her, her out. Her Let's da- fucking blast her. Da- her. Let's call no, her. No, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. This isn't a good way. This is <laughs> yeah, not the yeah, bad yeah, way. Yeah. So, yeah, um, her grandfather's a shaman, her dad's a shaman. Right, right, awesome. Yeah, and so she, she's got that sort of deep sense of, so she does it the right way, and, you know, there's, awesome. you know, you've got to be invited, and you've got to know her for a certain amount of time, and she's yeah. got to make sure you all that type of stuff, which is fine. But... You know, I mean, you see all these people that are popping up, right? It's like, oh, I'm running ayahuasca. Like, hell, yeah. you doing? Oh, well, well two well, years you know. ago I did it, and it was yeah. amazing. So now I'm running yeah. these retreats, right? I was I'm laying like, bricks two years ago. <laughs> yeah, <right now>. you <laughs> know, which I don't, you know. And then for me, it almost becomes like an ego kind of thing. You like got they, it. they've got this, you got it, and they are misusing their power, their whatever. And yeah, it comes it, with a certain sense of power. Yeah, and um. And I would speak to a good friend, uh, Ange, and she's had so many people that have come to her after it having gone to some other, and it's made them worse, right? Because yep, totally. they they've have, and she's now trying to battle these people, like and put them to back together, put them back together after yeah. their experience. So, um, with yeah, like I said, when it, when it, that it massive inrush, and there's just so many people wanting it, and then not enough um, people with the experience and the knowledge and the and the heritage there, I just think, it, yeah. like I said, it's it becomes like a yeah. disaster. That's why, and that's one of the reasons why I haven't done it for three years because I've been asked heaps of times with people, but yeah. I haven't found someone that I've gone, okay, look, you know, you've got enough of the, I suppose, the heritage or whatever. I think, and maybe that's because of the person that I know is, is, yeah. is so deeply into it. I I feel like there's just no one that can compare. Yeah. Um, which I, I don't think is right either, but so anyway, that's my conundrum. We'll, we'll yeah. put that aside, but yeah. That's no, you're onto it. It's um, in the years that I've been floating around that scene, the one thing that I've seen repeatedly is that they will work to the level in which you work them pre and post. So, I was because of a, a favorite of mine for whatever reason that plant just I enjoy it and it enjoys me. <laughs> I have a great time. It's predominantly fun. Yeah. It doesn't and and I people have got to be really careful not to pedestal these plants into something that they're not. Because you can see it right now is that it it people are j- chomping at the bit to share their psychedelic story. Mm. And and it you can see it I can see it starting to lose its essence of what it's all about. Here's an example. I've watched people, I think I had about 12 people in the last ceremony that I went to. And I'm, I would say I'm quite, I'm quite, it's just been years of working with people, quite tuned, tuned with where people are at. Mm. And you could, go, I could go around the circle and hear someone talk. And I know they're only interpreting their experience of the psychedelic through the level that they've achieved, which is unfortunate because when you do the personal, private, continuous work on yourself, then you can have a totally new experience using psychedelic. And I remember the f- someone saying to me, going, oh, look, you know, make sure that 
make sure that when you get out of there, you write everything down and you integrate everything. And they had this, you know, laundry list of things to do. You know, because when you get out of it, you won't remember it. I remember almost, I remember incredible details of every time I've used psychedelics. Like I can access the memory like this. Mm. And I think it comes down to, and this again, is going to be an unpopular view, but we have to develop our egos, not get rid of them. Yeah. The, f the stronger your ego is developed, the more awake and aware and responsible you are inside the psychedelic experience. But people are trying to use these things to wipe out their ego. Why do you think you can't remember anything? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I know a few people um, where they yeah they can't remember it, and I'm yeah, I'm the same as you. I can definitely remember yep uh, everything, and even to the point um, yeah for me. So uh, and this is why I think mushrooms. Well, for me, it's so powerful, and I I can't fuck it up. Is because <laughs> yeah. I've been, like, I went to a stage where, you know, I was taking it once a month, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, even once every two weeks, you know? Yep. And I was, and then I had, like, this mushroom, and it kicked my ass. Now I was do. like, what the fuck? What are you doing? You're not, I'm not giving you anything else. Yeah. You didn't, you haven't, didn't do nothing from last time. Bingo. Like, you didn't learn, or you haven't, you haven't worked on, or whatever, like, you're just doing it for fun, you know? And I, it, it, you know, I was like, yep. fuck, it, it just shocked me, and I was just like, exactly. uh, and then I didn't touch it for probably four or five months, Mate, you know I've, what I mean? I've seen and, this. Sorry, sorry, continue. Yeah, and, and that's when I realised, you know, I mean, if you do it the right way, and, you know, and then, you know, it's it almost will tell you if you're misusing it, you yeah. know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And But you, that's only ever, that's ever only going to happen if you're doing it the right way, if that kind of makes sense, yeah. you know what I mean? If you if your intention is, is right, I suppose. Um, and I could be wrong, but that was my experience. It was, it knew when I wasn't, I, I was going too far with it, yeah. And it was like it kicked my ass. It was like, yeah. nope, get the fuck out of here. Um, so, and the next time it was four months later, and it was beautiful. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's one for you. So, people tend to personify um, these psychedelics and make them into entities. You make them into other, other than I. And and that that. What tends this is this is a spin out, but what people tend to do is they tend to psychodynamically create a relationship with this plant through the same assumptions of how they relate to themselves and or other people. So let's just say someone goes into a psychedelic experience because they've struggled in relationships. What I've seen more often than not is they actually transfer the dysfunctional relationship with they had with their ex onto the plant. And so they form a reliance on the plant and then it might work once or twice and then they form the same attached reliance to the plant of which now most people call the medicine and then it nails them. It absolutely slaps them and then they do the complete 180 and go, oh, they're bullshit, they're rubbish, they, you know. So they're literally replica replicating the dynamics of relationship with the personified plant. Interesting. Yeah. And you're like... You, you're not you're not doing the thing here. You're no. not learning at all. No. You're you're literally trying to get someone else to solve your problems, like your last relationship. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> Gem right there. All right. <laughs> Write that one down. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's. Uh, I'm gonna be pondering on that myself. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's really I think that's really interesting. It's a cop out, is what it is. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's cool. So you tell, yeah. Over to you, Ryan. Yeah, okay. I need to put that aside and yeah. think about that, reflect on that tomorrow and not right now, Ryan. We're into something. Yeah, uh, yeah so your, do you mind talking about your experience with yeah. ayahuasca? No, no, go, no, it's, no worries. The um, uh, first time was really, really rugged, but in a good way. I didn't really have expectations. Um, I was very, very open, very... Uh, I have to keep myself in check in those circumstances because I can get a bit know-it-all and it's not nice. And I know when I'm there and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel flowy. Um, because I'm, because, and the weird thing, uh, two stories. The weird thing is, is most of my day I'm going into situations where people look to me. Mm. And so I've got to check myself all the time when I'm going into other circumstances that are social I need to downplay because I, I'm not that person I have to really check myself at the door kind of thing and I was really wary of that for the first time like Nat just calm down be here for you you can take a break you don't need to be with clients or with businesses or whatever you can actually just be here for you and that was really nice first of all that was awesome and I and but the, the thing where I got it wrong was I'm really sensitive to all substance all everything so sensitive bro it doesn't take much at yeah all. even caffeine yeah exactly i only have a couple of coffees a week because it just cooks me yeah and so the rape you familiar with rape the, the, the tobacco yeah, the powdered ha- tobacco. Rape. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah 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 rape. um it nailed me it, it gave me flu-like symptoms for about two hours really everyone was like bang hit tap on the back of the head it's fine you know clears the system and i i like i like the fact that they use that plant to try and get you into yourself because it's so extreme. Yeah. But it so is that, is that the first time you had hape was yep. before I, I was asked Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I was like, yeah, I'll have it. You know, I want to do the full experience, but I got sweaty and flu like symptoms for like two hours. And they've already done the first round of, of ayahuasca b- before I could recover. So, Everyone was kind of starting the process, and I was like, "Okay, well, I got up for the second second round. Had that was when I started, and so the combination of like coming out of like a flu like situation, and then this powerful plant coming on board, um, was what it felt like for me. It was really short and sharp, so I didn't get the full kind of eight nine hours. I kind of got about four in the middle, mm. and I was still as the time the third do- the third round come around, the shaman was like, "It's not for you." Like, you need to deal with this. <laughs> and I was like... That was good. That's good that they yeah. had that awareness. Yeah. yeah, but yep. I was like, bro, you gave me the flu. <laughs> 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 you gave me COVID. Yeah. And now, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was still really, really good. Even though it was shorter window, it was still really, really good. Um, a lot of purging. Um, and a lot of the, the two experiences I had were very much about... I kept getting in touch with very, very you could say well-known figures a lot of Carl Jung in my experiences a lot of Hindu mythology like Hanuman and Ram these big kind of like mystical figures um, uh, Frederick Nietzsche Hitler these big figures were in my experiences I, I truly felt that I didn't get a personal ayahuasca experience I got a collective ayahuasca experience Wars. There was a lot of wars. There was a lot of bloodshed. There was a lot of um, anarchy. There was a lot of 
I got a lot of social stuff in my ayahuasca journey, whatever whatever that means. So how did you uh, internalize? Like, how did you internalize that, or what did that? Bro, what I have no meaning idea. did that give? No, I did no idea. Like, you just placed that over there, and I, I mean the the one thing that stood out, which was quite clear, which was really strange, was these rivers of blood. Just this is going to be pretty intense, but it was you know yeah. we'll, we'll just play with it. Rivers of blood, and, and the scene was World War World War Two, and. For whatever reason, I knew it was World War Two, and I was just kind of observing these war fields and there's blood everywhere. And for whatever reason, I got the message that this was a godless war, and a and a godless war was a war that we lost religion in that war. That's why World War Two was so brutal, because it was mechanical. It was war machine versus war machine, mm. and hu- the human spirit meant nothing. All wars before that, people would carry Bibles into into battle. They would pray for the dead. They would eat ceremony. They would put their guns down. They'd like clock off. You know, in World War One, people would clock off. Yeah. All right, time to go. Put guns down. Yeah, and they'd like have cups, have dinner totally. and stuff with their yeah. enemies, yeah. right? Yeah. And the, they'd be like, stuff. you know, fire, fire away, and they'd shoot over their over their enemies' heads. And for whatever reason, the contrast in my ayahuasca journey was about World War Two, and it was completely it was complete bloodshed, because it was godless. And all I could take out of that was if you lose faith. There's bloodshed. Mm. Uh, you know, it's just everything ends in destruction if you lose a sense of faith. And so I was, you know, I'm trying to manage these things. And I've got other people around me like, <laughs> you know, just, it's not a judgment, but it's just different. Yeah. I just experienced it very, very different. People people had a very common experience. Like, I felt love. I felt connected to my ex or someone I lost. Or I just need to look after myself better. Very compassionate, personal messages. Mm. Mine was wild, like yeah, very social. I guess, um, like for me, when I think about that, like someone that uh, isn't, I suppose, as aware as, for lack of a better word, as what you are, um, would take that experience as being horrible, right? They'd totally. be like, what, and they wouldn't have got the message yep. that you've got, right? Yes. So they would be like, yeah, that's a good point. I had the fucking worst experience, man. There was like guns, people killing each other, yep. like blah blah blah. Where you had that kind of sit back and we'll. Um, and I suppose that was why you got that and where yep. sort of, you know, I mean, you probably didn't need that, the love and the whatever, maybe that was way more important for where you yes. are, where you were in your journey or whatever. I think and you're bang a, on there. I yeah. think that's what I love about the mush or whatever you use. If it'll, a lot of people I've heard say their worst, worst experience was their best experience, yeah. right? Because it showed them something of, you know, one story I heard from a guy, he went there and he was like, I want to beat my anger yeah so yeah. he reckons for eight hours every time he thought about <laughs> anger he felt the anger in his um like yep. his body and it was going through his veins and it was poison it was killing him right wow. so every time he thought about anger he just he just had the visceral experience yeah like and just thought i'm dying for eight hours right and he come out he's like i can't be angry now like i just because i know it's poison it's yep. my, because my body. i now know i now have felt the experience that Hatred and anger hurts me. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. So, and I was just, he's like, so it was the worst experience of my life. Yeah. But he goes, I fucking never have been angry since. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like, yeah. that's fucking, you know, that's yeah, incredible. That's unreal. Um, yeah, that's so good. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that to me is uh, something, yeah, that, that just, that blew my mind. I was like, wow. And I know, like, some of my, well, I wouldn't call them bad experiences. Yeah, they definitely were. They were, they were very, they were very powerful. So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I definitely recommend if anyone out there is wanting to do these, try and do it with someone that's experienced or try and do it with someone that's going to create a good space. Yeah. Don't just sort of do it with willy-nilly because um, they are very powerful and they can take you to some awesome places. But Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. There, there are... They're, they're, I think they're actually quite inconsequential without other things around them, like continued introspective effort, good meditation practice, continual powerful conversations. Like them on their own, if you think that's going to be the way out, it just won't be. Yeah. Like you, it, there's just no shortcuts. No. There's no shortcuts. And they can be a really, really beautiful part of the process and the method, but they're not the way. I don't think. No. I actually think they've already done what they need to do. I truly actually think that the psychedelics have already proven their point, and now we just have to learn learn them better. I don't think they're going to show us anything more magical and mystical. I think they've done their party piece. We just have to get better. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I know, um, I, I don't know why this popped up, but I know when you were saying before, like one of the things you did in your one of your worst periods is like you paid to God, right? Totally. And uh, <laughs> I, and I can relate to that. That was one of the things that I did when I was, I was, yeah. you know, going to check out. And so I was weird. I don't know what it was. I, I, both my parents are, are atheists, never went to church my entire life. But yeah. as a six-year-old kid, I paid to God overnight. I didn't know why. I just yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. And totally. my parents were like, what the fuck's wrong with this kid? Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I didn't know. And like, you know, I wouldn't call myself... Uh, religious, I think yeah. there's something else out there. I don't just don't know what it is. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I'd call myself um, omniism would be something that I would label myself as. I think there's truth in all religions, but it's not one religion is truth, right? Yeah. Yep. So I think the all religions capture what God is trying to portray, but I don't think, like, you know, in the hit, when it comes down, like, it's been thousands of years. I think it's just like chop, change, chop, change. But I think that the, the message is always the same, right? It's just yeah. love. And, and so, um, yeah, that's, I don't know why I brought that up. That just comes into my head. So Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the religious experience is something that I think um, we've impoverished accidentally, which is funny, you know, like if we talk about drugs for a little bit and why these things start to happen. What do you think the drug is of the lower class? The lower class, what's their drug of choice? Uh, would have to be, well, I don't know, marijuana, if you count that. I don't really count that as a drug anymore, but... Um, street, you, the street drug, no, narcotics. Well, okay. What's the narcotic of the lower class? Uh, it would reckon? be heroin or ice, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Because the lower class is so disenfranchised that they need a substance that gives them an entirely new re- reality. Mm. It puts them into an entirely new reality. And so price of drugs is not mediated by the production. Price of drugs is mediated by the class that use them. Mm. What do you think the drugs are of the middle class? Uh, will be ecstasy, I suppose. Bingo. Yeah. And cocaine. They're typically two middle class drugs. Is because we were told, right, that the middle class is going to give us everything that we want. Success, money, freedom, happiness, peace. Guess what? It doesn't. No. <laughs> so that's why there's a, a rampant middle-class drug situation with MDMA and cocaine. 
I don't know if you bought cocaine lately, but I wouldn't call that middle class. It's quite expensive. What? That's what I, that's what I mean. Like, you've got to be middle upper now. <laughs> yeah. It's the yeah, exactly. Like, it's just out of control. But, but we're trying to still believe in the middle class way, but we're searching for something else because we're not satisfied. Mm. And the upper class gets a bit weird and a, a bit conspiratorial, so I don't want to go there. But okay, well, where does the psychedelics fit into the, all this? Or they're mm. a replacement for the impoverished religious aspect that we all need, but are too scared to go back to religion. So we all have a religious impulse. Mm. All of us. See, and this this is the second time something you've said brings up that freaking book, eh? The um, Celestine Prophecy. Okay, yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, that, that book did something to me. So if yeah. you want a good book... <laughs> it's a powerful yeah, little stuff yeah, for that it one. Is, it's a great is, entry point. It is. It yeah. is a good book. Um Anyway, so off topic, but yeah, so that, that's interesting. I think, yeah, I, I do believe that um, we, all have we do need to it. go back for, oh, I don't know how to, how to verbalise it. Uh-huh. Um, do We do need to take a step back in believing in something, but I don't think religion is quite the answer. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Um, you know, go back to self, I suppose, but yeah. Yeah. Um, not sure quite. Yeah, you could maybe explain what I'm trying to say, but do you know where I'm trying yeah, to go? Yeah, I do, I do know where you're trying to go, and there's a few, um, definitely a few different threads. Like, So the first question I ask myself is, why do we reminisce and look back into our archaic times as if we're missing something that they had? Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Like, we all kind of romanticise about the little cottage on the farm, and we, you know, farm everything, get our chickens, and it's all very beautiful and nice. There was some kind of archaic wholeness that a simpler reality had that we're all yearning for. Mm. And what we've got to be careful of is people confusing. Okay, so we'll backtrack, but then we'll tie it in. We're obsessed with our thinking mind, which is a love child of our intellect. Yep. The love child of those two things is science and tech in the objective world. And so because we're completely in love with our intellects, we think that technological advance is going to make things better. No one says that. It's just going to make it more advanced. Mm. Mike can go for it. And yeah, well, one thing that really um, hit home for me is when you look at technology and the way it moves forward is it's supposed to make our life easier, right? Yeah. But it's all it's doing is making people more money, right? We could use yeah. technology to make our lives easy, like make our lives easier and keep yeah. sort of their money that it makes the same but we don't it's technology is a way for people to make more money it's not making our lives easier at all it's it's, and that's where i think the problem lies if if we had people in business that were like okay how can we make the collective easier by using technology like where do you think we'd be right now yeah exactly exactly it's not about making lives easier it's about making money Mm. and so how do we change that oh mate that is (laughs) Well, look, I, I, we, we're not going to be able to change it by... Here's one thing I'm sure of. We're not going to be able to change it by constantly being obsessed with changing the external world because the external mm. world is complexity. It's objective complexity. And that is only growing. Right? That, that ship has sailed. External complexity is only going to get more complex. Yeah. Which means which means our life will get fuller, as we've all experienced. We're old enough now to experience how full life gets without even trying. Mm. You've just got more stuff to manage. 
that is going to continue, right? External complexity is going to continue, no, no doubt. The only real viable solution that I see is, is realizing that realizing the external world is good for fulfillment, but it's terrible for freedom. Yeah. And if we can start to manage these two things in a very sophisticated way, we have a real chance at, we have, a, I think we have a real chance at learning to live and love better in crazy technological complexity. Mm. But it's going to come down to when you go in, when you go in and sit and settle and quiet down, that's where freedom is. But you have this funny thing, Ryan, where 2,000 years, the freedom yogis were experiencing 2,000 years ago is the same freedom we'll experience right now. But the complexity in the external world is totally different. Mm. So right, the ratio of fullness to freedom is way out of whack. We're so full, we're overflowing full, that we're not free at all. Yeah. We can't stop the overflowing fullness and complexity, but we can balance it with internal freedom. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, I know you talked a little bit about your meditation journey and how it almost became an escape for you. So yeah. I suppose, because it's something that I do and I, I love to do and, and it, I think it balances me out through it. Like I, I notice from my practice isn't as good as what it should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. tighten your game up, mate. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> sort it out. But uh, yeah, so I, I found it interesting, like when I've spoke to you, you told me, you know, maybe to cut the meditation out because it's, um, it's um, I think you explained it to be, I, I don't need to go do more, like, sort of away from my body. Yep. I need to integrate more into my body. You've got it. Um, so, like, the yoga and the somatic practices. Yes. Is, um, Bingo. Yeah, so if you were, uh, so how could you, I suppose, tell someone in the audience, like, whether they need more, like, meditation or they need more okay. of the other one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay. That's a great one. Ready? I'll, I'll give you an example. As soon as I hear someone say this, and if you're, if you're listening to this, if this is you, listen up. And when someone goes, I'm a meditator, I go, too much meditation. As soon as there's a, as soon as there's a claiming of the identity of meditator, mm. they've totally missed the point, right? I'm a meditator. I've been meditating for 10 years. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know, like, what happens when you stop kind of thing? Oh, well, you know, I need it. It's, well, they, again, they just transfer the dynamics of whatever they're attached to to the meditation. Yeah. Um, I see a bit of a theme here. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, the mm. same as the intent. This is the same exact argument as the intense exercise. Intense exercise separates body and mind. It cuts you off from your body because it dumps it full of neurochemicals, which is great for some people. Meditation, you can do the same thing. You can learn how to turn off the feelings in your body, which feels like freedom, but it's actually detachment. And I buckled myself with this personally. Mm. I thought I was becoming enlightened, <laughs> which is a joke. Like, I wasn't. I was becoming more and more detached. And here's the subtle difference in experience between non-attachment and detachment. Non-attachment, let, let's just say you, you felt a bit clingy to... This is not about you, but <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> Let's say you're a bit <laughs> short star. <laughs> alcohol, girls, and food. 
Right, let's just say you're <laughs> <laughs> as he chokes on his water. <laughs> right, let's say you were a bit clingy to those things. Just a, and you you knew you didn't have a very good relationship with those elements of life. For whatever reason, your psyche got a bit stuck to them. Now, detachment is pushing away the alcohol, food, and the girls. Pushing away out of fear of being caught by the world. Fear of being stuck into the addiction trap again. That's detachment. Mm. Detachment generates fear. So if someone's had an alcohol addiction and they go, I haven't drunk a, I haven't drunk a beer in four years and 38 days. Well, now they're just attached to not being a drinker. Mm. Right, so that's detachment. You create fear from this element in the world that gets you stuck. So you're free from the behavior, but you're not free from the dynamic. No. And that's what... Yes. Changing it over to something else. It's just swapping something for something else. Exactly. And that's what meditation can do if you're not careful. (coughs) When you you get clear on your practice and you understand it, non-attachment feels very different. Non-attachment means you can look at a beer on the table and go, yeah, I'll have one today. And you have one, and that's it. You don't have 26. You don't have 26. Seriously? Exactly. Can, yeah. that, can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so Mind you, blown. you know you have the propensity to get stuck to alcohol, but you've also developed a clarity and a depth where you can have one and still call it. But there's still going to be a wrestle there. Mm, a lot, yeah, that's, I like that. Yeah, so that's non-attachment. Detachment comes with fear that the world's going to trap me. Non-attachment is... I can be in the world and not be scared that my vices are going to grab me. And so one comes with fear, one comes with, let's say, uh, it, it's actually, it actually comes with more of a deeper self-appreciation and a sensitivity towards who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I know my vices, like, it's no tomorrow. Like, I've got to be really careful around food. I've got to be real careful around isolation because I enjoy it too much. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yep. I know my traps. <coughs> yeah, I know mine too, don't yep. I? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. I know where my shadowy elements are, That where my personal shadow pulls me into the collective shadow and then I'm wrecked. Mm. Okay, so here, here's one for you. So when, I uh, say food, for example. Yeah. Um, oh, sweet food. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what... Uh, so it's practice or what is something tangible that someone can use that will then help them say not pick up that cupcake or, or yeah. whatever like what is it that yeah I'm or is really that or is it more so uh, not or like you say if you're doing that then you're wrestling with it then it's not really yeah, you become attached and then not have yeah so that's I'm careful not to thin slice the tactics, you know. Yeah. I'm careful not to just like uh, get too overly invested in. Here's a tool to fix the problem stuck inside a problem solution model. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yep. Um, any form of stickiness or or any form of attachment, those roots run really, really, really deep. Really deep. And so to you know moving, and this is where I'll come back to it, but this is where the East and the West need to start talking and hanging out a bit more together because mm. they've both got really, really viable solutions. Um, but they can both do more harm than good if they're not unified in a nice way. So for example, like for psychotherapy, if you're going to use psychotherapy and understand drives and motives and, and your subconscious and things like that, you can actually get really addicted to, to introspection 
and get, you know, you just create problems to solve them. Like, so people that go to therapy can get addicted to therapy. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they get, then they become addicts of the, oh, that's the addicts of the, oh, I realized something. And then when people go too far to the east, they become meditation turns into medication where I got stuck. And they actually never solve the problem. They just learn to get deeper and deeper away from it. Disassociate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. But bringing these two together, <coughs> oh, man, it's the, mad, it's the source. It's the one. Yeah. It's the ego development in the West of the psychotherapy and, and building up your ego with goals and values and understanding who you are, like building up your self system. But bringing in some of the very sophisticated two and a half thousand year old practices that are purely based on understanding the fact that we exist and creating those two developmental channels where you grow in consciousness and you grow your ego at the same time, you become an effective part of the world and you, you study the fact that you exist. And you've got this almost too scarily perfect combination. Mm, I like that. Because um, I, I think when you were talking about before, like the East and like, so these Buddhist monks or whatever, or, you know, Hinduist monks yeah. or whatever, they, but like you said, they were living in a different time. Totally so different time. for them, that was right for them and for, for that yeah. time. Yes. So to use that now isn't quite going to work. No, it's right? actually so, deadly. Yeah. So. Uh, and like I said, with the West, like we're very good at, um, I suppose, like the, the the flip side of that. But yeah, yeah, uh, to bring them two together would be is something that we need to do. But I I think they try and fight each other. Totally makes sense. Like, totally. What uh, righteousness? Why? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's like the two religions fighting, right? Yeah. Like you're fighting over the same God, right? Yeah. You know, you're fighting <laughs> over the same thing. You know this, right? It's yeah. like love, peace, you know? Yeah, 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 anyway, yeah it's all so the same thing. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, we've all, we've all got our strong points and we tend to ally ourselves behind our strong points. So I, I've always got my teachers that I go back to, like, you know, my teachers are not well-known teachers. Like James George, he's a Gajifian mystic. Like, he's not really well-known. Rollo May, pretty solid standout psychologist in the 80s so these people always remind me that i'm a westerner <laughs> i'm a westerner i grew up in western values i'm i'm almost 32 i'm extremely white like i grew up dirt poor but worked myself into something a bit more solid and that's that's who i am and i don't want to leave that behind i don't want to become an eastern mystic at all um, well, maybe I do a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> Isolation, <laughs> love it. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's attractive to me. But, but I have to remind myself that my brain was developed inside of a Western context. Yeah. Because I wiped myself out because I, I ran the Western race and felt completely out of whack with it. I felt completely... Um, didn't fit. It didn't wasn't. fit. I was like, this isn't the way for me. So I was like, I've got it. I'll go meditate for four hours a day. It's like you did the yin and the yang, right? You swung Dude, this way, and yep. then and, and um, to be perfectly honest, sometimes you got to do that, right? You yep. got to go extreme this way, yep. and then go. Hang on, course correct. The answer has to be extreme the other way, yeah. right? And then you find this middle, and exactly. that's what you're talking about. Like the wet, you went complete west. Completely, you west. went complete east, and now you're like, oh, maybe if we bring these two together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ta da! Yeah. yeah. And the in between was absolutely the deepest suffering I've, I've ever felt was realizing that neither way was the right was way. Was the right way. Because then and you're lost, right? In, like, what's going to work? I was in absolute existential chaos. Um, I, I collapsed trying to do the Western thing. I, I made myself unwell. 
I transferred my intensity to the east and I, I, I melted my values into nothingness. I melted my beliefs into nothingness where I just felt like I was floating consciousness because my body was so painful. So I went hard west, hard east. And then I was like, and at the end of the eastern road, by the way, I was doing it incorrect, so that's why. At the end of that road, I just felt complete nihilism. And I'm like... So explain yeah. for people, what do you mean by doing it wrong? What what? Well, I'd get home at about 4.30 or 5 and I'd light my candle and I'd look at it for five hours. And all I wanted to do was escape my sensations of life and and being in Brisbane at that time. Mm. And it was it worked until <coughs> it stopped working. Yeah. It worked into it worked for the sense that it gave me relief, but it didn't give me any solid ground to stand on. And I ended up I and this is the, you gotta be careful when you play with consciousness technologies because it's no joke, you know, like I I, with effort, forced my consciousness, forced my awareness out of reality mm. through brute force. And so I got exactly what I asked for, which was nothing. And that was so empty and so painful and so disorientating that there was no point. This classic nihilism. There was a loss of meaning for everything. There was no point in getting a girlfriend. There was no point, there was no point doing anything because it was pointless. Mm. Every, uh, the meaning the meaning and tr the true essence of value and meaning got ripped out of everything because I meditated through force and my, and our Western brains are not, uh, we're not capable of holding the states of mind like masters can because their history is so much older and richer than ours. They've got foundations in their culture that they've built on. We haven't. We're children in the world, Australia. Mm. We're absolute childs, ch children. And we haven't established the foundations of consciousness like these other countries have. And we go, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll just jump in and meditate. It's like, no, <laughs> it, missing a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I suppose, goes back to anything, like, like I was saying, with the ayahuasca, you know, like Bingo. if you don't have that um, that history, then it can all come un yep. unfolded. You can unravel uh, yourself real, real quick. Real fast. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's what is typically, you know, bad trip. And things like that, but you can't get stuck in a trip. This is the thing that you can't get stuck at a trip. Um, you can get, you can certainly get stuck in bad ways, but you're not stuck in the trip. You, you metabolize, you metabolize the compounds out of your system, mm. right? What happens is, is that you. This is what I go back about ego development. When your ego is underdeveloped, and you blast yourself off with a powerful plan, if that experience <coughs> is too big for your ego, your ego is traumatized. That's mm. what trauma is, an experience that's too big for me to handle. And these plants can do that. So when you open yourself up to a big experience like that and you're not ready for it and your ego isn't developed to hold the line straight and true while you're inside of it and breathe and focus and breathe and focus, when you haven't trained your mind to do that, it can massively overwhelm you. Then you get traumatized. And then you, when even though the compound has metabolized out, you don't know where you're at. Yeah. Because you've nailed yourself. So it feels like you're stuck in it. You're not. You're not. You've just traumatized yourself. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I know, like, for me, um, this is a little bit different, but uh, when I was abusing ice a lot and I got a lot of psychosis. Yeah. And this is what I obviously 
drugs are bad, right? Uh, ice is bad, yeah? <laughs> but, ice is bad. But what, what I learnt from that is, okay, so I was taking it um, and then straight away was like, like anxious, like complete anxious, okay. like not thinking people talking about it, like and went into that. Straight, yep. And then because I was doing that so much, then when I wasn't taking it, I was still running that same Bingo. thought. So I was just, this is why I'm big on like neurological pathways. I was just trained that pathway so much that then that just became the normal, right? Yeah. So then, and then it wasn't until I started, well, obviously got off that and, and went into like personal development. And I was like, if I could do that, in a negative sense, like, Bingo. like, why can't I just do that in a positive sense, right? Yep. Like, yep. I was like, hang on, there's something that's when, so big part of, like, that's why I love gratitude, right? It's just training. It's training. Then neurological pathways, so look for, you know, what you want to look for. I'm not saying you don't go too far and you never see anything bad, right? Like, yeah. that's not what I'm trying to say because then people can do that, Hyper right? Optimism. You, you go the other way, but it's better than being hyper-negative, right? Yeah. So yeah. you got to find... And then uh, same thing. I think people go from one and then one they go to too far other. then and then yeah. bring yourself back to that, that happy medium. Yes. And like the same thing happens with exercise, right? Yeah, they're overweight and then all of a sudden they're addicted to training and this is all the training, right? Exactly. Then you need to bring yourself uh, back. So yeah. if you're on any part of that path, right, it's, there's no wrong. Just know that that can. And that's Pay why attention. now when I'm with someone and I can see where they are on that sort of. On the pendulum. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and I think. Um, veganism is another one, right? You oh, see some, one. someone that comes <laughs> vegan, right? It's just like everything's freaking... And it, um, yeah, I, mean, I was seeing a girl and she was vegan. She went completely one way, right? And yeah. I was, But I was accepting it. You know, there's no judgment because I just knew like that was the, her thing at the time, right? Yeah. And I just knew that it takes time for... You know, if you're yelling at people not to be vegan, that's not going to change them being... You know what I mean? That's not, not how it works, right? No, no. Um, but yeah, anyway, interesting. That's... A little bit off topic again, but that's cool. Vegan digression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think, like, for me, like, I'm, I'm definitely not vegan. Uh, I, I do believe um, we need to eat less meat for uh, our health. I think yeah. we obviously eat way too much meat. I think for the environment, it's yeah. obviously bad. I think, I know the first time I read a Tony Robbins book, it must have been six years ago now, I think the book was in 1990s, so I was yeah, a long time ago. And back then he said, if, if everyone just cut their meat consumption by 10%, you know, deforestation would stop. Like, wow. who who can't stop 10%, right? Yeah. One steak a week? Yeah, 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 exactly. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like, that's right. so so little on impact on us, but on the environment, uh-huh. that is absolutely massive. So right. that's when I always started to, like, curve my eating a little bit. And, um, but yeah, you I mean, still, still think, Jack, look at you, still juicy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> But yeah, well, you get you absorb forty percent more protein from plants, right? So you don't oh, need you as much. Man, I'm bad at this topic, eh? Like I'm not. I just don't have. I have zero. You know, not zero, but just uh, talking this one up to Ryan. Yeah, tick yeah, for me. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's a big misconception when it comes to food. Is people are like, oh, but where am I going to get all my protein from? Well, yeah. you need half of what you're having before if you get it from a plant because you absorb it. Wow, way more. that's so cool. you, that's a you, great little nutrition fact, isn't it? Yeah. So that's yeah. You don't need all that um, to yeah. get to get what you want. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, and and not just that. I think, and but the thing that this is what really gets to me is I've looked into, and they're like, oh, but the, you know, they're hurting the hurting the animals, right? It's very bad for yeah. animals, and it's yeah. like, well, all the studies that have been done now, you know, that plants can feel right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, just um, as yep. much as what yep. we can. Yep. They're like, oh, but they don't. They this is their argument. If you talk to a vegan, this would be their no, argument. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> had the pleasure. <laughs> so the argument is, is they don't have a. Um, What's their argument based on? Is it an ethical argument of 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 feelings? Like yeah, that, that, no. Well, the animal feels more than what than what right. the plant feels so that's because their they've position. got a um, they've got a, a central nervous system. I think there or whatever. Right. That, that's their that's their argument. Okay. Um, and they're like, so, yeah, obviously it hurts way more um, for, and then, but then I know a guy who's really into plants, like that plants is his thing. Okay. And there was actually a, stu- a study, not a study, an experiment done where they had two plants and they put them in a room and then they had like 10 people and they had to like draw out like a straw. Who got the shortest straw? No one knew who got the shortest straw, but at okay. night time they had to go into the room and kill one of the plants, oh. right? Right. And then they come back out. And then the next day, they walked each person into the room and the plant that was alive and the person that walked in that killed it, the vibration of it, like, freaked out. Like, it, it knew who killed the plant beside oh it. Oh, my God. So I was like, amazing. you can't tell me that plants don't feel as much as what the... Pl- that. So your whole argument yeah. is flawed. And someone who... Neil deGrasse Tyson come out and said this and the vegan community went Lost off. They were yeah. just like, how, someone that's so smart like him, how could he, ah, and yeah. I was just like, so if you want to um, stick it to a vegan, yeah, yeah, say yeah. that. Right? Plant, plants feel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, plants feel just as much. But no, yeah, I, and no, I, I am joking. Like, I, I do think we need to be uh, aware of a lot of bad practices when it comes to like killing animals For and sure. stuff like that. And uh, yeah, but yeah, plants definitely do feel just as much and another interesting fact do you know that a mushroom is more an animal than a plant i did not know that yes genetically yes more of an animal than a plant yes yeah wow those suckers eh? yeah jeez that's why they're so special yeah totally that's insane i the only thing i know about that is you know like they're they're close to us genetically aren't they am i just talking rubbish um aren't they quite close fungus I, uh, I would be lying if I tried to say okay. yes or no. <laughs> I could try and make that one up, but no, I won't. Uh, no, but they are, uh, fungus are very interesting when you look into it. I think Joe Rogan brought on a, much a fungus specialist, and yeah. I, I can't remember, but Paul, I, remember, I remember listening. Uh, um, I think it's Paul Stamets. Yeah, I remember listening to it going, holy fuck, this is yeah, incredible, this is right? level, yep. And then I think, well, my belief is that's why there's so much wisdom in taking them because they've been around for so long and they've got so much. Yeah, anyway. totally. So, totally. but yeah. Um, anyway, I think we might leave it there, Nat. I think we've had a very good conversation. Done, mate. Uh, Pleasure. Thank you for coming along. All good, no worries. Uh, um, I definitely know that people would get a lot of value out of this. Yeah, so cool. uh, I appreciate your time. And All good. Cheers for coming along to New Hunter Run Podcast. No worries. Mate, I haven't, I haven't even mentioned that the, your... The, your business name, platform name, is one of my favourite names ever. It's so good. You've just really captured kind of what we're talking about. Nirvana, obviously, the experience of Nirvana, the Nirvanic state. Um, and and the neuro, too, brings in that really nice kind of like science underpinnings as well. Mm. So, mate, I'm, whatever you're doing, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And then, um, so Nirvana, Kurt Cobain killed himself. Oh, another That's layer. That's another layer. Another <laughs> layer. Got it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's cool. great. Awesome. Uh, one little fun fact. Uh, you know the English translation of the word nirvana? Do you know what it, the, its symbolic representation? No, I, I don't. Like, I know it's not quite enlightenment, yeah. but it's, it's um, 
Anyway, fill, fill me in. So you obviously know what it is. It's just a, it's, it's a feeling and a sound of phew. Just a like a because the if you've ever had a minor satori or a minor nirvanic experience that's what it feels like it's it's like taking off it's like taking off a really tight pair of jeans and you go oh that feels good but it's on a it's on a being level so that's Mm. what that's what nirvana is it's the we made it we made it feeling yeah, it's awesome. Great. That is fantastic. <laughs> oh, actually, one more question. So if you had to give advice to one, what's one jam that you know that like, if you could just give that advice to anyone that's uh, maybe struggling with anything in life, what's, oh, what's the man. one thing man, that you go? that's a hard one. I know it is very loaded, but have, go, go for it. What's the one thing? Oh, shit. Give me, just give me a moment. Meditate on this one. If, if we can dedicate time to learn how to be in relationship and relationships, I think that's 75% of mental health is actually understanding relationship, relationship to others, intimate relationships, sexual relationships, relationship with ourselves. I've just experienced so many people that absolutely suffer when it comes to relationships mm. so we, we can essentially get a little bit of background we can essentially tie most mental health experience mental health struggles into three categories first one relationships second one is how do we manage uncontrollable arousal levels when our stress goes through the roof and then it dumps us you know we get dumped through our motivation systems we get massively <coughs> anxious and fearful and then dumped down in depression couldn't be bothered to do anything um, so regulating that uh, and the and the last one um, is kind of like fundamentals fundamentals of life, hygiene, food, structure, physical training, things like that. Those three things cover so much of mm. the mental health it does. basis, like almost eighty percent. The rest is kind of like serious pathology. Yeah. But most generalized mental health fits into those three things. How do we manage? How do we understand and manage? Um, arousal levels that go out of out of whack. How do we navigate and feel deeply in relationships with, without closing our heart down? And how do we understand that basics in life that are told we need to be disciplined disciplined about are actually just basics of life? And so, yeah, I think I would summarize that. If you can learn and understand relationship, um, it, it'll cover so, so much. And that's practical advice too. I didn't want to go too whimsical. No, no, of course. Yeah, it's just incredibly practical. Mm. Yeah, I think um, that brings me to I think the biggest uh, Harvard study ever done on happiness on on anything was a seventy five year study where they followed people from all walks of life, whatever, and then they followed for seventy five years, and the number one thing for happiness was relationships. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah. So if you had good, didn't have to be a partner. Yes. But if you had solid. Yep. friendship relationships and had that connection that love and connection yeah, with totally. um, people that was the number one factor from the biggest yeah, harvest study ever done yeah was just relationships so yeah that's why a bit or a big part of you know we've got a whole thing on like love and connection awesome so um yeah so 
call up your friends, see if they're okay, go see them. Totally. Don't go, hey man, what's hey, up? Well, how are you doing, bro? Oh, I'm connected, man. Look, I've yeah. got my phone, right? I'm connected to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Cool. Awesome. All right, thanks, Thanks very much, man. I appreciate it. That was really good. Really cool. Good. All right, leave it there. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Neuronovata podcast. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe. Also, if you'd like to know a bit more about us, uh, jump on Instagram, Nirvana underscore, and Nirvana on Facebook. Also, if you'd like to check out our services and if we can help you in any way, jump on our website, neuronirvana.com.au.